Welcome to Cybercast 2.0. I'm your host, James Mersall. For our second episode recorded during National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we're speaking with Stacey Albom, who serves as the Deputy Director of the Center for Information Technology, or CIT, of the National Institutes of Health. Previously, Stacey worked for the National Science Foundation for 11 years, including serving as the Branch Chief for Security, Architecture, Policy, and Plans. She has also worked at the Office of Management and Budget as a Policy Analyst and Portfolio Manager, and at the U.S. Department of Energy as a Budget Analyst. Today, we speak to Stacey about our current priorities at CIT, including the Optimized NIH Initiative. We discuss how business management plays a crucial role in cybersecurity and IT more broadly, how to hire and retain employees and ensure they understand the crucial role they play in the agency's mission. Given her background in budget analysis, we address the age-old cybersecurity question of how to get the most value out of your cybersecurity budget, no matter how large or how small. Finally, we talk about emerging technologies at NIH and how they are being used to secure data and even more importantly, enable new health research that promises to transform millions of people's lives. Thank you for joining us, Stacy. Let's get started. So what are your current priorities as CIT Deputy Director and what challenges do you face in that role? Sure. So in government, we often talk about being in the business of government. At CIT, we're in the business of technology to enable NIH's mission. So as the deputy director for the Center of Information Technology, you know, I always keep in mind that the sole reason we exist is to meet the enterprise IT needs of NIH. My priorities always begin with providing high quality IT services and capabilities that enable the world class research being conducted by NIH. And over the last five years, We've made significant investments to modernize and continually expand a robust computational infrastructure and suite of core technological capabilities. And that's to serve both NIH staff and their collaborators. I'm fortunate to be at an agency that with strong commitment and support from leadership to make these mission-critical investments improvements. And I wanted to give you some examples of some of the things we've done during this time. Great. So we've built a high-speed new modern network. And what this allows NIH to do is to share vast amounts of information in a secure, reliable, and fast way. We've also expanded NIH's high-performance computing capabilities. This allows researchers to conduct large-scale data analyses in a wide variety of scientific fields. We've implemented tools that enable NIH staff and researchers to communicate and collaborate globally with ease. And we've established strategic partnerships with industry, bringing innovative cloud computing tools and technologies to NIH. And all along the way, we protect and secure NIH's information and assets without impeding productivity and innovation. In terms of challenges, what I wanted to share with you is that delivering these capabilities at the scale, pace, and complexity required can be quite challenging at times. NIH is part of the Department of Health and Human Services, as you know. Mm -hmm. If you're familiar with NIH, it's actually composed of 27 different institutes and centers. And we call them ICs. Each of those ICs has a specific research agenda, and they're often focused on a particular disease or body system. The thing about these ICs is that they have come to depend on CIT services being available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. 
And they need them to perform world-class research to improve health and save lives, which is ultimately what we're trying to accomplish at HHS and NIH. And as the provider of these services, I'm constantly challenged with achieving efficiencies while maintaining highly effective operations and running a large, complex service organization in a federal environment. And so what I found is that incorporating business and workforce best management practices into the way we operate these services has really been key to our success. That's great to hear. I think we've heard from some other cybersecurity leaders who say, yeah, bring in the business, bring in the people has really helped them realign their mission and, and focus on making sure that cybersecurity and even modernization more broadly plays a meaningful role in the organization's mission. Absolutely. Workforce and those other business management activities have to be part of your management agenda to be successful in an organization like this, certainly at CIT. So let's talk about Optimize NIH next. How does Optimize NIH play a role in IT security at NIH? Sure. Well, I would love to talk about Optimize NIH, which is really near and dear to my heart right now. Optimize NIH is about identifying areas that we can enhance and improve by working together across the department, across the agency. It's part of the Reimagine HHS initiative, which is an effort to improve efficiency and effectiveness throughout the department. This past year, NIH identified IT security as one of five new areas to examine under Optimize NIH. I'm co-leading the effort with a senior representative from another one of NIH's institutes. And the reason IT security was identified as one of the new areas to examine is that protecting NIH's information and systems is one of our most important technology challenges that we're facing today. Having IT security part of Optimize really elevates it in our risk profile and provides a mechanism for us to more effectively and efficiently work together across the agency on securing our IT management and operations. What's really incredible about this effort, though, is how staff at all levels and in varying disciplines across NIH have stepped up and volunteered their time and talent to further the goals of optimize NIH IT security. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about those goals as we are embarking on this effort. We're really trying to increase cybersecurity awareness and implementation of best practices across the agency with the ultimate goal of reducing risk. We're strengthening the cybersecurity workforce with the necessary skills and resources to protect research data and assets, which are our most valuable assets at NIH. And we're promoting services, standards, and tools that increase secure collaboration while advancing research outcomes. So you might ask, well, how exactly are we doing this? We've organized three different working groups and supporting teams with over 50 staff members. And the things that they're working on include embedding cybersecurity into the everyday culture at NIH, formulating enterprise approaches to more strategically and efficiently acquire IT services and support, and developing IT standards, processes, and processes that improve security, consistency, and quality. And so with all that, I'm just really excited about this endeavor and the promise that it brings. Well, that's great to hear. So prior to working at NIH, um, you managed the IT budget for several government initiatives and agencies. Mm -hmm. How has that background informed your decision-making at NIH? 
Very much so. So I've spent my entire federal career um, or my entire career actually in the federal government. I take a lot of pride in public service. I really enjoy working for the government and I foresee serving the public and the federal government for many years to come. So I've had the benefit of working at multiple departments and agencies across government. As you've probably seen my background, I've worked at the Department of Energy, the Office of Management and Budget, the National Science Foundation, and the National Institutes of Health. And having worked at a department, a government-wide oversight entity, an independent agency, and now an operating division within a larger department, I've gained great insight and knowledge of the inner workings of government and its decision-making processes. Budgeting is just one aspect in which this kind of understanding of the institution of government and the practical realities that come with it, coupled with business savvy and sense, can lead to doing really great things in government. I have found myself repeatedly taking concepts that have worked at one agency and applying them at another with much success. So for example, in terms of budgeting, these concepts have ranged from formulating, justifying, and governing budgets to allocating, in many instances, reducing and ultimately executing budgets. And while each fiscal year, you know, has its climate and its challenges when it comes to budgeting, of course. you know, the management principles for how you go about managing budgets generally remain the same. And I found that I've been able to take those principles and practices from one agency to the next. Oh, that's great to hear. I, thinking about it, not just the you know, quirks of any given fiscal year, but also with the quirks of each agency. We've talked to some cybersecurity leaders who have said it's great that they can bring in people from other agencies who, you know, every agency is a little bit different. Everyone has a different approach. But being able to bring in those best practices, whether it's for cybersecurity or management or resource allocation, that sort of cross-pollination across the government really seems to succeed well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I couldn't agree more. So also based on other IT leaders we've heard from, budget is a limiting factor for cybersecurity and IT initiatives. Again, as you point out, you know, fiscal years have their ups and downs, trying to figure out where to spend that additional dollar or $100 or $1 million is something that goes into their decision making a lot. So based on your experience, what is the best way for agencies to make the most of their budgets? And are there areas that could use additional investment that just aren't receiving attention right now? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, first, I'll say that one of my favorite sayings in life is that there are always choices. There may not be great choices, but there are choices, and that's often the case in budgeting in the federal government. I think of myself and all the roles that I've held in government as first and foremost always a steward of taxpayer dollars. And really, how you go about formulating, managing, and executing budgets in the federal government, I think, has to begin with that mindset. So second, I will reiterate how grateful I am to be at an agency that has strong commitment and support of agency leadership to make necessary investments in IT and cybersecurity. Certainly, budgeting in the federal government is no easy task, but as we're talking about here, there are effective strategies and approaches that you can take to make the most of your budgets. And it really starts with 
having a solid understanding of your IT investment portfolio, the initiatives, the projects, and usually most importantly, the operations. Often the discussion you'll hear amongst IT professionals is how they just don't have enough resources to adequately maintain their operations. And there's never any funding for new initiatives and efforts. I think it's easy to overlook ways to optimize cost and maximize value, especially in large organizations that have been operating under a legacy culture and a set of assumptions for some time. This is where leadership, experience, expertise, and innovation really come into play. Creative methods to budgeting might involve things like using a different approach to acquire the same service, identifying and reducing and or even in some cases eliminating low value services or just streamlining operations in general. If you stop to really kind of challenge the assumptions that you're operating under and think differently about how we could do things, you know, I think you'll really be amazed at what possibilities might exist. And so these methods, these creative methods alone can free up resources that you didn't even realize were there and possibly available for high priority activities. And once you've done the hard work to truly understand and rationalize your IT investment portfolio, you can then seek out and justify the need for additional resources with confidence and assurance that both the new funds that you're seeking and existing funds will be well spent. And so really, you know, when you talk about are there areas that need additional investment, I think the most important thing to be mindful of is that we should be spending our time and talent identifying, prioritizing, and implementing the investments that directly further our mission. So it sounds like a mix of whether you're going to have more money or not, making sure that you're, as you point out, there's always choices. They're not Mm -hmm. always good choices. They're not always bad choices. Mm -hmm. But be able to identify which one is the best given the circumstances and whether it's you know eliminating services that just aren't working anymore you know, aren't furthering the agency's mission really and really how do we make the most of those investments you know budgets are typically finite sometimes they're growing sometimes they're shrinking depends on the political environment but whatever it is how do you make the most of it in order to serve the mission it's not so much the amount as it is the value that you get exactly. out of it. Exactly. You got it. So what does the future of cybersecurity look like at NIH? So at NIH, cybersecurity is absolutely one of our priorities. We apply a proactive risk-based approach that really involves implementing cohesive security controls that at the same time minimize restrictions to innovative research. So, you know, NIH is an academic open environment, and we really need to balance the need to secure our assets, yet foster this environment where we can really further scientific discovery. So to do that, we're very focused on continuous monitoring, We've implemented a number of security tools to access and analyze our technology environment that allows us to do so in real time, to quickly identify threats, and to reduce the time and resources needed to respond to them when they occur. 
And the need for such cybersecurity measures to protect our research data without hindering scientific collaboration is frankly an ever-growing challenge. So it's not so much a kind of future state that we're trying to arrive at, but it's just an ever-evolving, ever-increasing landscape of threats and need to allow secure collaboration and research and activities to continue. And so we're just going to keep making those same investments and doing the things we're doing today in this changing landscape that will continually improve our cybersecurity posture and increase our cyber readiness for you know the next generation of threats to come. That sounds like the right approach to be taking. Uh, we've talked to some other CISOs and security leaders in government, whether they're you know, working with innovators or caregivers. And one thing that they say always is not, I'd be curious to hear your perspective, not so much balancing cybersecurity with the agency's mission, because it should never be about one over the other, but really taking that strategy to ensure that the approach doesn't detract from the agency's mission, doesn't detract from the ability to innovate, you know, that you can secure data without making it harder to gain access to, that you can require your employees to be, you know, have good cyber hygiene, mm -hmm. but that the training doesn't take them away from the jobs that they're focusing on that are the most important thing for the agency. So that's right. If we've gone too far with sort of the rigor of our security program, then we've lost sight of what job we're here to do. And so, you know, I started by talking about like CIT, for example, the sole reason we exist is to serve the enterprise IT needs of the organization. Of course, we need to operate and manage our activities in a way that is secure because those are our most valuable assets and we need to protect them. But we can't lose sight of why we're here. And I think it is a bit of a balance. And I guess I would go, if you didn't want to use the word balance, it's almost kind of a dance, right? That's a good way of describing <laughs> it, yeah. And so I think part of my role, what I've really enjoyed about working at NIH is learning about the mission. You know, I'm a business management person. I've always worked in technology fields and technology offices. And and going back to always working in the federal government and enjoying that, well, what I've really enjoyed about is the missions, the communities we serve. And so a big part of my role is continually learning about NIH's mission, you know, connecting with my colleagues, understanding their needs, their interests, their challenges, and then delivering our services in a way that is secure and works for them. And that's where you start, not with here's a security tool. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, traditionally, we ask people on Cybercast or our guests on Cybercast, you know, how have the threats evolved over your time in government? But I feel like from a business management perspective, it might be better to ask, you know, how have the trends of IT management evolved while you've been, you said you served in public mm -hmm. service your entire life. How mm -hmm. have those trends evolved? And do you think that there have been you know, new challenges that have, have arisen or that you know, there's a different pace to those challenges? And I guess even more importantly, 
how the solutions to those challenges changed over your time in government? Mm -hmm. Well, I think what's most interesting in the way that technology is driving transformation in terms of, you know, frankly, the ways that we live and work these days is that traditionally an IT organization or an IT leader like myself was just really held with ensuring operational excellence and enabling business objectives, right? I mean, I remember when I first came to government, the conversation was that the business should be driving the technology, not the technology driving the business. And so while those roles certainly remain true, I would say now the expectation of technology organizations and technology leaders like myself, given the advancements in technology, are shifting. They have shifted. They are shifting. They'll continue to shift. So, for example, rather than just maintaining operational excellence and enabling the business, we're being charged with being the innovators, with creating the value we're co-creating solutions with other agency officials and programs in ways like never before. And again, because the whole reason that I'm in the role that I'm in is because I'm really committed to public service and the mission. To me, that is a really exciting time to be working in technology fields. That's great to hear. So another question we always ask our guests on Cybercast is, what is a major initiative or challenge in cybersecurity that is not being talked about in your view or perhaps just not being talked about enough? That was a really easy one for me. It's risk. You can call it a four-letter word. You can call it whatever you want. But with the ever-expanding technological advancements that we were just talking about and ever-evolving kind of landscape of cybersecurity threats, there's no better time than the present for organizations to prioritize cybersecurity in their enterprise risk management frameworks. And we need to talk about risk in a meaningful way. We need to not just start that conversation, but frankly change the conversation we're having about cybersecurity, what it means for our mission, what it means for our programs, what it means for our assets. It's not this thing that is over here separate and apart from the rest of what we do day in and day out to accomplish our missions. It's actually an integral part of our programs and our operations and needs to be embedded in our everyday culture and activities. So there's no question that improving cybersecurity risk posture, especially in the federal government, is incredibly challenging, though. You look at attacks are becoming more sophisticated. Our environments were complex to begin with, and many cases are becoming more complex as we're living in these hybrid environments of on-premise infrastructure and, you know, acquiring services through cloud service providers. And probably the most challenging aspect is the competition for cyber talent across both government and industry. And so earlier you had asked me about Optimize NIH. I think this is a perfect example where something like Optimize NIH can bring the much needed focus and the right players to the table to work together on improving our programs and rethinking how we serve our missions and communities, including with cybersecurity as part of the conversation. So 
How have emerging technologies impacted the work of NIH, particularly for the Center for Information Technology? Very much so. Again, we are in the business of technology to enable NIH's mission. That's what we're all about at CIT. And there's certainly no shortage of technologies, you know, ready to disrupt our daily lives on any given day. So I think the key is using those technologies in a way that transforms how we work and really positions us to better accomplish our mission. Traditionally, again, the role of IT has been, you know, providing that operational excellence and and business enablement. But again, now technology really is driving the transformation that's happening in our organizations. So, for example, at CIT, we are harnessing the power of technology to meet the evolving needs of NIH and our biomedical research community. We're in the era of big data It's essential that our researchers in the biomedical sciences have easy access to robust computational capabilities and capacity. These are the things that are going to enable the data-driven scientific discovery that they're doing. And so what does this mean at NIH? Well, this includes our network, collaboration and communication tools, and high-performance computing resources. Take BioWolf, for example, which is NIH's supercomputer. It's ranked amongst the 500 most powerful supercomputers in the world. Wow. And it's the only supercomputer that is solely dedicated to biomedical research. We built and maintain that out of CIT at NIH. It is literally changing the way that our researchers do their work. And so taking advantage of emerging technologies is really allowing us to continually expand our computational infrastructure and data management solutions on an ongoing basis. And the multiplier effect that it's having is just continually increasing the potential for our researchers to achieve scientific breakthroughs that are, you know, serving our entire nation in terms of improving health, well-being, and saving lives. And at the end of the day, that's really what we're all about at NIH and CIT. I love hearing those stories about uh, emerging technologies, not just the new shiny object, but what it means, you know, being able to do calculations that would take a human years or lifetimes to do. And you know, I can't wait to see how that work, both at CIT and more broadly throughout the government, will as you said, you know, impact human lives, impact the experience of Americans or even people across the world. So, Me too. <laughs> glad to hear that. Those were all the questions I had. Actually, I, there was one more I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. You, know, you touched on workforce a couple of times. That's mm-hmm. something that really interested me when I started here at government CIO was how to bring in those people into government who have a cybersecurity or IT background. What Are there any initiatives at CIT that you're looking at to both attract and retain that talent, whether it's for cybersecurity or IT more broadly? And how is that going for you over there? It's a work in progress. You know, every Mm -hmm. single day I come into the office and people are first and foremost what we should really be focused on when we're talking about accomplishing our missions. Because a lot of times the focus is on the work, but it's easy to forget that it's the people doing the work. And again, unfortunately, when you come into, you know, these large complex organizations in the federal environment, 
there is a, you know, a legacy culture and a legacy climate and a legacy mm-hmm. way of working that, you know, has existed for years or in many cases, you know, for decades. And it is left, you know, the people in some cases feeling like the organization has lost sight of the fact that they are one of our most important assets. And so I've actually put together an agenda within uh, CIT that is focused on improving the employee's experience. And so what I'm going for is happy, healthy, and productive employees because those are the people that are doing all this important work that I just talked to you about to really support and further NIH's mission. So you might ask, like, well, what are some of the things that you're doing? Well, we're always recruiting and working on what, you know, what strategies can we use to retain top talent, right? We've initiated a program that's focused on continuous learning and career advancement for our employees within CIT. We are working on ensuring that we're fostering a safe, healthy, and respectful work environment, which is, we have a a nice little government acronym for that called SHARE. And we're putting each of our work units through that program, again, just to kind of remind everybody why we're here and how we could work together more effectively. And I think one of the cornerstones of this program to improve the employee's experience that I'm really excited about is what we call mission excursions. And so if you ever visit CIT, which I would love to have you anytime, you're welcome to come by. You know, we're in an office building, you know, up in North Bethesda, you know, going in there day in and day out and doing our important work. But there's a lot of exciting things happening across the NIH campus including, first and foremost, things like our clinical center that have clinics and are seeing patients that have nowhere else to go, you know, firsthand. There are many places to go right there at our disposal, right on our campus, where you can see firsthand the difference that NIH is making in people's lives and the role that um, support organizations like CIT play in making that possible. And so we're scheduling these excursions or field trips to take groups of staff around and kind of connect them or reconnect them with the mission so that they can see firsthand how the work they do day in, day out makes a difference. And I think anyone that's going to be joining CIT, we're always recruiting, and I would certainly welcome the opportunity to invite you in and become part of that experience. It's really important work. Like I said at the beginning, workforce has to be on your management agenda if you're leading an organization like this. And I think it's easy to get you know, enamored and caught up in the technology, but you you have to do both or you kind of, you have to do it all to be successful. Oh, absolutely. I can only imagine how much those excursions and other initiatives that you're pursuing means, you know, even think about the geography. I've worked close to the White House. Our studio here is very close to the Capitol building and work that we do impacts government and being able to think about that in the bigger picture and not just the, as you said, the work is important, but the mission and being able to see the impact that work is really what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So I think those are all the questions I have. If there's anything else that you wanted to discuss while you're here? 
I think that covers it. I just thank you for the opportunity to be here to talk about the important work we're doing. And it's really great to kind of get the word out there. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to have you and thank you for your time. Same. Thank you. Cybercast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. It is hosted by James Mersall and produced by Amy Kluber. It is edited by Resonate Recordings. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.